Thank you guys. Are we on? Are we on? Check. Check one. Check two. Hey, I'm here. Good morning, y'all. Um, when Pastor asked me to, to speak this morning, it, um, it had occurred to me that this may be the first time that some of you guys may have heard my voice. Uh, there's good reason for that. Well, I don't know if it's a good reason, but it's a reason. Um, it's not because I'm shy. I'm not shy. I am quiet. Um, it just turns out that I'm really terrible at small talk. Um, so in that area, I'm just a little awkward. Can you, can you guys raise your hand if you're a little awkward in like any area of your life? Okay, see? See, I'm not alone. I'm good. All right. So Pastor Jeremy um, generally starts out with a little story to kind of hook everybody's attention and it usually works for me because generally when I come in here in the mornings on Sunday mornings, I'm running off of like three or four hours of sleep because I work second shift and overtime and all that stuff. So it helps to have a little bit of a hook. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of a story before we jump into this thing. Uh, but forgive me. Um, before we start getting into this, I just got to, if you guys don't mind, um, pray for me as I pray for us. And we also have a special uh, prayer request this morning for uh, the daughter and son-in-law of uh, Kimberly and Jonathan Dalton, uh, Sarah and Justin. Uh, Justin will be joining the military. They are traveling to Texas this morning. And the weather's not very well out there this morning, so if we could just lift them up in prayer uh, along with the service and um, every other need that we may have in this house today because God knows every single need before it even comes out of our mouth. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come in and just to worship you this morning, to hear your word, God, to speak your word. Um, Lord, we pray that every distraction, God, would be cast down, every obstacle that we have in our lives would be broken down, every stronghold today, Lord, that would just be torn down and Father, that your word would permeate every area of our hearts and our minds. And God, that we would leave today changed more in your image. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so my story goes like this. See, Lizzie and me, uh, we met in a ministry school. And this particular ministry school there were some guidelines, and it sound, it's going to sound a little odd. It might sound a little cultish. It did to some people, but it's not. It was for a good reason. There was no dating for two years when you signed up for this thing. And at the time, it was not really that big of a deal because, quite honestly, I wasn't that attractive anyway. Uh, <laughs> I had a mohawk standing about that high, and that got shaved off the first day. They didn't let me keep it. I don't know why. Um <laughs> But along that first year, I met this amazing young woman, and I don't know how they expected to get 40-some-odd college kids fresh out of high school. I was a little bit older. Uh, I'm a late bloomer. Uh, to get them all in the same place and expect, you know, and all of them following after God and to see all this attractiveness being brought out. Uh, because attractiveness is not just about physical traits, right? Amen. So, it was no dating, and she had caught my attention 
and we started developing some fillings and some attractions. And so this one summer, it was on, we were getting ready to go on summer break, and we lived at the campgrounds for the denomination that I, I was part of. And we were setting up for summer camp, which meant dragging bunk beds all over the place and mattresses. And so I was in the back of this truck, and we were hauling mattresses up to, up to a storage building. And so I'm, I'm sitting in the back, and all of a sudden I spy this really attractive young woman up at the top of one of the other dorms. And so I'm riding along, you know, and I'm just so lost and so focused. I'm just looking that I didn't look where we were going and didn't see the pine tree (laughs) that was headed right for me. Not very fast, about 15 miles an hour, but if you get hit in the face with a pine tree at 15 miles an hour, it hurts. So it knocked a little bit of sense into me. We got up to where we were storing the, uh, the mattresses, and the guys got out of the truck, and they were like, oh, man, what happened to your face? I was like, uh, I'm good, I'm good. I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> Tried to play it off, but they were like, dude, you're bleeding. You know, so I was like, I let them know I got hit in the face with a pine tree, but I didn't let them know why. All right, so fast forward, we're getting ready to... Uh, celebrate our 13th year of marriage and it has been quite a ride Um, I love this woman with all my heart but I think her and I will both agree that marriage is not what you expect it to be at the time that you get engaged am I right some of you guys (laughs) I'm not saying it's all bad. It's good. But it's not all you expected. And I think that a lot of times this morning, I want to talk about our relationships, not so much our marriage, but our relationship with God. Because sometimes it's a lot like that. When you first receive Christ and you accept the Lord and you're on fire, you can't wait to get out. Just like, you know, when, when you get engaged on Facebook. I'm getting engaged. I'm in a, you know, in a relationship. All this stuff, you know. You can't wait to tell people. It's the same way when you accept Christ. And you're just on fire, and nobody can shut you up. You're like all over Facebook, Instagram, or whatever. You know, Jesus is king, Jesus is king, you know. But somewhere along the line, for a lot of us, I'm not saying all of us, somewhere along the line, life happens, just like in our marriages. You know, in our marriages, economies crash, people lose jobs, people get sick, things happen. And you have to work at your marriage, It's the same way with your relationship with God. You have to work at it to make it work, to make it happen, to stay in love. So I want to talk this morning about how how do we remain, once you've fallen in love, fallen in love with Jesus, how do you keep that fire burning? How do you keep that fire burning hot? 
Sorry, this is a new gadget for me, so I'm just kind of experimenting. Okay, anyway. <laughs> the first thing we've got to do is we need to know what love really is. What really is love? Because our society, uh, and I'm going to pick on Hollywood here for a minute, has imprinted this idea of love in our minds. You know, you have the, the Disney movies. I don't know. I, I've seen it. And is it The Princess Diaries with the foot pop? Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, I know my chick flicks. Um, so Hollywood tells us that when we love somebody and you get that first little smooch, your leg's got to pop. That's not how it works, okay? <laughs> you get the feelings, yes, and I'll get, the, I'll get to that in a minute. But we got we to gotta really dial in our, our true definition of love. Um, number one, it is not a substance. Love is not a noun, it's a verb. It's not a substance. We use this phrase and we hear this phrase all the time. I guess that's my first. Nope. Nope. Now I'm going the right way. Love is not a substance. It's not something that you hear this phrase all the time. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. Okay? And then one of the biggest reasons for divorces in our country today is what? I've just fallen out of love. It's an oxymoron. You guys, you get high school students, you know oxymoron? You know your English? Okay. It's an oxymoron. It, it doesn't make any sense when you look at it scripturally. Falling implies that you have no control. You have no control over who you love or who you don't love. You have absolute control over who you love and who you don't love. You have absolute control if you're going to love God or if you're not going to love God. You have a choice of whether you're going to make your marriage work. You have a choice on whether or not you're going to continue in following Christ. The reason I say that it's an oxymoron, if you look at the fruits of the Spirit, what's the first one? Love. Okay, you got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So you can't have those two working against each other. You have complete control over who you're going to love and who you're not going to love. Number two, love is not a feeling. You'll hear this a lot, though, in, in Christian circles and things like that. Love is not a feeling. It is not how you feel about somebody, because I guarantee you, if you talk to Lizzie right now, she does not always feel like she loves me. Okay? When I leave my dirty clothes beside the bed where everybody that walks through can see it, and she's got to bend down and pick it up for the 10,000th time. 
She doesn't feel like she loves me, probably. But she chooses to love me. Okay? It is not a feeling, uh, but it can produce feelings. And this is very important. This is where uh, what Lizzie was talking a little bit about this morning in in our worship. Okay? When you get alone with God and, you know, when you're out dancing in the rain, I don't know if any of you guys have done that, but it's awesome. Give it a try. All right? Go out there. Sing praises to God. If you're in love with somebody that much, you want to sing about them. You want to talk about them. You want to talk to them. You want to be part of their life. You want to be part of everything that they do. It can produce feelings, and it should. See, God is an emotional God also, and we're created in his image. God gets angry. He almost kills Moses because he was getting ready to disobey him about going to Pharaoh to tell him to let my people go. Okay? Jesus wept. Everybody's favorite scripture to memorize because it's two words. Jesus wept. What was he weeping about? about the news that Lazarus has died. Even though he brought him back to life, Lazarus was dead. Jesus wept. God is an emotional God, and we're created in his image. We should have feelings. And our feelings should show through in our worship. When we come in here on Sunday mornings and we're singing, God is my shepherd. He's my prince of peace. He's everything that I need. We should have feelings. Um, Society will tell you follow your heart. Please tell me. How many of y'all had heard this piece of advice? Well, just trust in yourself and follow your heart. And everything will be okay. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. All right. No, that is not the case. Do not follow your heart. Okay. Jeremiah, I'm sorry, I'm behind on my, oh, no, I'm not behind. I'm right there. Okay, I'm still there. Okay. Do not follow your heart. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, hang on, just so I don't miss it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart is fickle. If you don't know what fickle is, it means it changes its mind from one minute to the next. It doesn't know what it wants. It wants whatever is the easiest path, the path of least resistance. That's what your heart wants because it's lazy, right? You've got to train it. It's like a muscle. It is a muscle. There you go. So, <laughs> it is a muscle. Don't follow your heart. Lead your heart. Proverbs says to guard your heart. If I'm following something, I don't want to have to guard it. It should be leading me. Lead your heart. Don't follow it. Okay? Love is not weak. I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he's praying, 
he's praying about going to the cross. And he says, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But he says, but not my will. Your will be done, Lord. See, Jesus could have walked away. He could have left us in our sin. He could have left us with our curse. But he didn't because he was strong. He's not weak. He didn't walk away at the first count of trouble. Love hangs in there. Love doesn't stop short. Love finishes what it started. So now that we know what love is not, let's look at what love is. We got a very clear definition of what love is. And most of the time you hear this um, definition read at weddings. It's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse 4 through 6. And it says, oh, that's not right. There we go. Okay. Love suffers long. Love is patient. Translation. Love is patient. Love is kind does not envy, does not parade itself, is not proud, proud, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity or open sin, but rejoices in the truth. Okay, so I picked out a few things out of here. Like, you can preach a thousand sermons on this, but I'll... I only got one afternoon, and I don't even think I'm going to be able to get through everything that I got. So um, I'm really going to try to cut this down a little bit. Um, Love is dedicated. You can sum up that whole verse pretty much in that one word love is dedicated it does not stop it doesn't stop at the first sign of trouble Uh, when we love God we don't give up when we don't hear his voice and you're praying about something you don't hear him pastor Jeremy talked about it a little bit last week when he uh, was taking Micah to the um to the NASCAR race. Sometimes he doesn't answer because he's got something better for you. Don't give up when you don't hear his voice or when you don't feel his presence. Just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. Just because it's raining outside, cats and dogs, doesn't mean that the sun's not there. It's still there. You just can't see it at the present time. It's still there. We're not proud. We're not proud of our position. We're not proud of our status as children of God. I don't know how many times I've heard, you know, looking over Facebook and just some of the silly arguments that go on. You know, I've heard one player, well, well, bless God, I'm a child of God. You can't talk to me that way. No. That's prideful. We're just like everybody else, except we have Jesus. We're no better. It's not, pr- it's not proud. 
okay? We use our status to heal people, to speak truth into people, to speak life into people. That's what we use our status for and our positions as children of God, okay? We're not irritated. That's a big one for me. Um, Okay, first it goes, we're not offended. Everybody knows everybody's offended at something these days. <laughs> There's always somebody going to be offended, okay? My struggle, if I can get transparent, I love getting transparent with people. But like I said, I'm not really good at small talk, so it takes a while. If I get to know you, then I get to start sharing this stuff. But I get irritated. Um, our director at uh, our ministry school used to have this one rule, one rule. He said, don't do dumb. <laughs> and so he, dri- he was a Marine, and he drilled this into us and drilled it and drilled it and drilled it, and now I get just really irritated when people do dumb. I don't know why, but, you know, God's working on me. I'm still trying, you know. I'm still got, you know, the, the fruits of the Spirit, patient, and uh, the definition of love is patience, you know. Uh, God is still working on on me with that. You know, James says, count it all joy when you uh, encounter people that do dumb because, well, he doesn't say that, but I'm paraphrasing, because it produces patience, and patience produces perseverance, and perseverance so that you may be complete and not lacking anything. That's a big one for me. That's something God is still working on me with. Um, second love gives love gives anyway love gives Um, we go to hey what Jerry you're my guy (laughs) love gives if you go to Everybody knows John 3.16. Can we do like a congregational, like, memorization verse? For God's... That actually sounded really good, you guys. (laughs) So I'm going to go one step further. See, the book of 1 John takes it one step further than John 3.16. First John 3.16 says that, thank you, Jerry, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Love gives. Love always gives. And this is just a side note. This is something free. Y'all ain't got to pay for this. Teenagers. Young adults. Y'all, I used to be a youth pastor, so uh, I'm just automatically drawn to, to speaking to the teenagers. Love gives. Lust takes. Always. Love, if a boy loves you, if a girl loves you, they will want to give you the opportunity to fulfill everything in your life that God has called you to fulfill for you to get a good job, for you to get training and get a good job to support your future family. 
He'll want to give you time. Yeah? He'll want to give you time with your family. He'll want to give you time to spend with God so that you can mature and be strong in the Lord so that you won't be swayed by the world because it is so easy to get swayed. Lust takes. Lust will take all of your time. If they love you, they won't take all of your time. Okay, I'm going to get off that. That's my youth sermon. That's my youth pastor coming out in me. Okay. Next, um, I'm really going to have to cut this short. (sighs) Too much material. Pastor Jeremy warned me. He was like, they're used to it. It's okay. (laughs) I ain't going to keep you all all day. I promise. Okay. Uh, Know who you're loving. Okay. Know who you're loving. (laughs) Okay. First, you got to know what love isn't to know what love is. So you know what love is. Next, you got to know who who it is that you're loving. You got to know their characteristics. You got to know what makes them tick. With Lizzie and me, we have to be in constant communication, or somewhere down the line, because life changes us so much, and we grow in different areas. Eventually, if we don't stay in constant contact, we're going to lose each other. We're not going to know who each other are. With God, he never changes, but we do. That's why it's important for us to keep him centered at all times. No matter what kind of changes we're going through, no matter what life throws at us, if he is in the center of everything that we do, we're still connected. And we can draw from the source. We're plugged in to the power source. This phone can do a lot of things. But if it hasn't been plugged into the source, into the power source in that wall, it can do nothing. Know who you're loving. Sometimes uh, we started this um, devotion about a month ago, and we kind of put it on hold for a little bit because we're getting ready to roll out something new here in the church. Um, but one of the things in that devotion told me, you know, in, in dedication to my wife to keep that fire fresh is to go back to the beginning. What drew you to Christ to begin with? And like I said, I love getting transparent with people when, when it comes to talking about Jesus. One of my favorite stories, probably my favorite story in the Bible, is the woman with the issue of blood. Because there's one characteristic with her. And I shared this with my small group not too long ago. There was one characteristic with her that meshes with my heart. She was so desperate. She was so desperate for Jesus. She would have done anything. And just to touch the hem of his garment, she denied all the rules of the time, all the, all the, all the junk that society had put on her. See, she couldn't come into public because 
she was bleeding, and that was considered unclean. She had to stay away from everybody. She had spent all of her money on doctors trying to get healed of this thing. She was broke. She was lonely. She was physically sick. She was desperate for Jesus. And that's where I found myself. In my early 20s, I was a drunk. And it was bad. I had a serious problem with substance abuse. And it just kept getting worse. Because I was looking for something that I couldn't find. No amount of drugs or alcohol could ease the pain in my heart, the the emptiness that was inside of me. And one of my friends at one time, I met this long-haired hippie guy, and he loved Jesus with everything in him. And he was crazy. He, that boy is a nut. He's living in the Philippines now and a pastor in a church down there. He invited me to this play called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And I remember showing up to that place. And the place was packed out. There was no room, nowhere to park. We had to park on the street. And the usher came up to the truck and he said, I don't know if you guys are going to be able to get in. It's packed. The fire marshal was in here, and he's starting to run people off. And I done made it up in my mind. They're not going to shoo me off. <laughs> Sorry. They're not going to shoo me off. I need Jesus. My body is dying. My soul is dying. I need Jesus. I done made up my mind. I'll throw that fire marshal out about his ear if I have to. I'm getting in there. Somebody's going to show me how to get to Jesus. And I got in. (laughs) I got in. And I gave my heart to the Lord that night. He took a lot of things away from me that night. Not everything. A lot of the stuff I had to work for. And I'm still working for it. Know who you're fallen in love with. In Isaiah chapter 6, if you can pull that scripture up for me, I had a chance to memorize that whole thing. It's a lot in that uh, scripture. Isaiah had a vision of God sitting on his throne. I can just paraphrase it. Hey, there you go. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood for seraphim, each had six wings. Two he covered with his face, two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory, and the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. What an awesome vision of God. First, I want to go to, and we're talking about the different facets of God right here. And then I'm going to start wrapping it up. You see, a diamond. A lot of you ladies wear, wear your diamonds around here. The average diamond has about 52 different faces on it from where it's been cut. And each way you look at it, 
It's a different beauty. There's a different view of the beauty of that diamond. A different color. It'll reflect a different way. And God is the same way. You see that that little part about his train filling the temple? There's an old English uh, tradition that says that the longer a king's train was, the more powerful he was. The more kingdoms that he'd conquered. God's train fills the throne room. He is victorious over everything that you face today and everything that you faced back then and everything that you're going to face tomorrow. Come on, somebody. He is victorious over death. He's victorious over your depression. He's victorious over your addictions. He is victorious over everything that you face. We can go into, into the different names of God that, that, are, that are seen throughout the Bible. You lost your job? He is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. He will provide everything that you need. You're sick. You're brokenhearted. He doesn't just heal your body. He'll heal your heart. He'll heal your emotions and he'll heal your mind. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's our healer. You're anxious. There's a lot of anxiousness going on these days. People are anxious about everything. You turn on the news, you listen for an hour, and you think the whole world's going to just implode. (laughs) I try to stay away from it, but I got to know what's going on. It's like a bad train wreck. I don't know. (laughs) Your nerves are all tore up. Half of our country is on antidepressants which makes it even worse sometimes. You're anxious. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is the God of our peace. My favorite. When he's talking to Moses, Moses says, who am I supposed to say sent me? He says, I am. I am that I am. He is everything that you need Him to be and more. You see, sometimes we stop. We think we got Him figured out at this angle. Like the the seraphim flying around God and one of them says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then the other one from across the way shouts, No, dude. You should see Him from over here. He is holy. He is holy. He is everything that I need right here. And then there's another one over here that says, Holy! He's over here. Look! He's everything that I need. You guys, you got to know who it is that we're praising. You got to know who it is that we're coming in here singing about every morning, every Sunday morning, every day in your car singing like a maniac. You know, them people be looking at you like, I'm just going to keep on rolling. It's happened more than once. 
I'm okay with that. The older I get, the more I'm okay with not being cool. All right? (laughs) I'm worried about what he thinks of me, not what they think about me. I don't even know them. All right? I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to go a little bit off of Scripture here. Or not script. Script, not Scripture. Keep the Scripture. Got to keep the Scripture. All right. Can I get... uh, Let me get a um, married couple that that can walk good. <laughs> Maybe I should have left that out. <laughs> can I get a volunteer? Can I get a couple of volunteer for me? All right. Okay. What I want you guys to do. No, just stay down there. I want you guys to just hold hands and just take take some laps around the church. I'll let you know when to stop. Just walk. Just walk. Don't run. Just walk. It's okay. I'm not trying to kill you. I'm not trying to uh, train you all for a rugged maniac or some kind of crazy mud run or something. I mean, if you want to do it, you know, we can talk. All right. I'm going to read this scripture, and we're going to wrap this up. Okay? You got to know who God is. You got to know who you're loving. Let me find the fine points again here. Um, anyway, you got to know who he is. You got to know what love is. You got to know who you're loving. Next, I'm totally going off of my script. Um, I'm going to read John chapter 15, where it's talking about I'm the vine, you're the branch. It says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, Lizzie, if you want to come up, just play softly, and then we'll have the praise band come up in here just a little bit. Um, Yeah, just keep keep on trucking. (laughs) Every branch... Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit as itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide, everybody say abide. Abide. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, I had this boss a long time ago when I was a teenager and working at this kitchen. And 
he said, <laughs> craziest guy, even back then, the way I was, I was like, dude, you're crazy. He said, you know, I asked God for a million dollars. If he'll just give me a million dollars, I'll follow him, and I won't think twice. That scripture If you abide in me and I in you, you can ask anything that you want and it'll be given to you. Here's that key word, abide. What does abide mean? It means to remain. It means to walk with. And when you walk with God, you guys take a... Take a left, come up to the front, and just keep walking. If everybody just kind of keep an eye on, on how they're walking. It's kind of a social experiment. If you notice, when they're walking, they're walking in stride. Because they've been walking with each other for a while. They've adapted to each other. When you walk with God on a daily basis, when you abide in God, when you abide in His Word and His Word in you, you become more like Him. Your desires become His desires. And when his desires and his emotion, because he is a powerful God, he is an emotional God, and he loves us so much that he sent his only son to die. I'm sorry, my boys are my pride and joy. I love my boys with all my heart. I don't know if I could send my boys to die for somebody else. That's kind of, I guess, when they get of age and they're ready to join the military or something, that's up to them. I'm not going to be happy, but I'm going to be supportive. You go do what's right. But personally, I don't know if I could do that. Okay, praise band, you can come up. You got to know what love is. You're in control of who you love. It's not a feeling, but it does produce feelings. And you should have those feelings. It's not weak. God's not going to leave you. He says in His Word, He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He says, I'm going to complete the work that I finished in you in Philippians until the day I come back. He's going to keep working. He's going to complete you. He's not walking away. Don't walk away. If you're tired, and that goes for your marriage too, if you're tired, hold on. Keep walking. You may be miles apart. Just keep walking. Keep plugging. Know who He is. You've got to to communicate with Him to know who He is, 
And that doesn't mean just talking. That means sometimes you've got to sit down, shut up, and listen. You've got to listen to the words that are being spoke. You've got to listen when, listen to the Holy Spirit when you're sitting down, you're reading your word. Every morning, every night, whenever it is that you sit down and you have that time, that's how you do it. That's how you abide in Him and He in you. That's how you keep your fire going. Y'all go ahead and sing.